Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. All right, well, let's stand one more. Let's stand as we uh, open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9. We are in a series called um, Your Kingdom Come. Thy kingdom come, and we're, we're praying, we're, we're teaching and talking and learning about being part of the kingdom of God. If you are born again, you are a part of the kingdom of God. Even though we are uh, American citizens, we live in the USA, uh, when you become a Christian, your identity is no longer wrapped up in where you live, it's not wrapped up in your economic status. Uh, not even in your racial status. Those are all important, but we are born again in the kingdom, and so our identity is now in Christ. And so God has called us to then bring the kingdom of God into the earth, and that's how we have, that's how change will begin to happen. Amen? Jesus never brought a policy because policies don't change the heart. Policies are good. They are to prevent situations, and we need policies. But a policy cannot heal. It cannot deliver. It cannot restore a marriage. It cannot, it cannot break addictions. It cannot do these things. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And he does that within us. Everybody say, within us. And that's what the kingdom of God does. And so we've been talking about thy kingdom come. And today is one of my favorite uh, passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We talked about the message. We talked about the ministry last week of the kingdom. Today, I want to talk about the mission of the kingdom. Everybody say mission. This is one of my favorite scriptures of the Apostle Paul. One of my favorite subjects to talk about is what I'm talking about today. And so I know the Lions uh, are not playing today, so they're guaranteed not to lose. So... So that means one thing, and second thing is I got all day to preach. Amen. How I many? Oh, no, no. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Because this is one of my passions. I love to talk about it, I, um, and so I can't wait to get into it today. And so, First Corinthians chapter nine, the Apostle Paul is writing. You ready? Are you river ready? River ready means you're ready for whatever the Spirit of God wants to do. Verse 19, Paul is writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is writing and telling us. Paul said, for though I am free. Everybody say free. free. I mean, he's free. Ask your neighbor, are you free? free. Come on, get free. You got to get free. He said, I am free from all men. Watch this. But I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews... I become as a Jew. That's funny that he would say that because he, his ethnicity is a Jew. But he's talking about the traditions of the Jewish people. Since he has been saved and into the kingdom, he now follows the traditions of the kingdom. But for those that are of his lineage, he wants to win them to Christ. He'll go ahead and find that common ground with his Jewish brothers and his kindred family to connect them to Christ. Everybody follow me. That's what he means by this right here. So to the Jew, I become as a Jew, so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, living by the Levitical law, as under the law, so that I may win those who are under the law. And to those who are without the law, how many know some folks that have no law in their life? <laughs> that are living with no rules. I mean, there's no rules. No rules. Well, okay, mirror that commercial. Okay, how many know people that are living by no rules? I mean, they just do whatever they want to do. Many of us live that way, right? Paul says, you know what? I don't hate them people. They're not my enemy. Watch this. I become like those, not being without the law toward God, but under the law of Christ. In other words, I stay committed to my faith. We'll talk about that. That I might win those that are without the law. To the weak, those are those that come from a little bit of a background of, of worship and different idols and stuff. And some of them could not even eat meat because the meats were offered to idols. So they had a problem with eating meat. Paul talks about this. And Paul said, man, I, I thank God I eat meat. I love me a ribeye steak and some pork chops. But what, when I'm hanging out with these brothers, I'm not going to eat like that to offend them. Watch this. Why? So that I may win them. In fact, I have become all things. Everybody say all things. To all men. Somebody say all men. So that I, by all means, may save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. 
so that I may be partaker of it with it. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask that you bless our time together, open our hearts and our ears of understanding, and I pray for a passion, God, would be in our heart and ignited or reignited today for the lost that we have in our communities with this upside-down world that we're living in in 2020. Your mission has not changed. Your mission has not stopped. You still desire that all men come to repentance. You still desire that all men will call unto you and reach for you, for you are not far from any of us. You desire our friends, our, our neighbors, our family to be born again. Father, help us to refocus back on that today. And I pray this, Lord. I pray, God, for our church family, Lord, right now. I pray for our brother Roger, God, who started his chemo this week. We remember him today, that, God, you would strengthen him and the Kendrick family, Lord. We pray a blessing on them. We pray also, God, for the Swenson family. Lord, as Don lost his brother recently, we pray, God, for him and his family. And Father, Lord, you know all the needs today in the house of God. We pray for our River Kids leaders up there today that are working with the children and are so happy to be back together in your house. We pray for your blessing to be on there as well, Lord. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know what? While we're standing, can we go ahead and put the mission statement up today? We haven't done this in a long time. Can we say our mission statement today? If you're new to the church or joining us, these five sentences is our mission statement here at River of Life. This is what we do. Is we have merchandise that we have available. We, we, this is our mission statement. So let's say these five sentences together. Ready? Let's go. I am the church. I am called to represent Christ and influence others. I am called to make a difference. I am called... Amen. Amen. Tell somebody I am the church. You may be seated. Amen. I, I tell you to give some high fives or something, but people are like, oh, yeah, whoa, yeah. you know, I mean, that's just where we are today. I mean, and, and like I said, you feel comfortable, remove your mask, that's fine. We, are, we want you to take precautions and be safe, and um, it's just a, just a crazy, it's just a crazy year. It's just a crazy time, man, it is. And uh, who thought it'd be going on this long? I mean, I'm done with it. I mean, he's done with it. I am done with it. I mean, uh, that's why we're not talking about uh, COVID and the viruses every week. We're moving on. I mean, it's real. The virus is real. Amen. It absolutely is. And God is too. And so we got we to gotta learn that uh, magnify God and, and those things. And, and so, but anyway, amen. I don't want to eat up my time with that. So the mission of the kingdom. This is Paul's mission statement. This is his mission statement in life. And as you've seen, our mission statement is not far from it. That's where I got our mission statement for. I was in prayer one time reading this verse, and God gave me those five sentences because that is the mission statement of the early church. That's, that's exactly uh, what they did. And, and so, matter of fact, let me just tell you this quick story. When the early church in the book of Acts, hopefully we'll get to a little bit of that today, but when they crucified Jesus Christ and he rose from the dead, the church uh, began to just scatter, and they began to just uh, make converts everywhere. Everyone was getting saved. It was an amazing thing. And Rome, although even though Rome crucified Jesus Christ, right, they allowed the Jews to do it, but it was under Roman. The Jews could never have anyone executed. They had to get authority from Rome, and Rome did that. So there was such a hatred for the Christians at that time, but the church never stopped. I mean, no faith will find a way. And the church just kept witnessing, kept sharing their faith. They did this in small groups. They did this from house to house. It took them 300 years. But in 300 A.D., listen, Rome declared Christianity as their religion. So this works. This works. So it took them 300 years, but that was a fight. But something happened that between 700 A.D. and 600 A.D., the church uh, ceased to, um, they began to get embroiled in a, in a political conflict with church authorities in Europe. They, they begin to have problems and they begin to argue over doctrines, over the, the deity of Jesus Christ. They also quit um, proclaiming in the languages of the native people the word of God. In other words, they just sat around and began to argue over doctrine. 
over, over the Trinity, over the deity of Christ. They, they quit reaching out. They quit translating the scripture into languages so people could read and understand. So what happened? So Islam confronted a weak and divided church, and they swept most of Christianity from the Middle East and from North America. So how did the church respond? It's an ugly and sad part of our history. But the church then began to rally together in the military conquests. We know them as the conquests and, and the military um, fights that they did during in, in taking people. And just by force, they tried to force people to become Christians. Ultimately, the headquarters of the Byzantine Roman Greek Empire fell. And Christianity has been trying to play catch up for many years. Here's my point to this. With all of these things going on in 2020, we cannot turn inward on one another and begin to argue over these little frivolous little beliefs and these little uh, different ways that people see things, even from the virus to Christianity to, to these doctrines. I believe in doctrine. We need to have sound doctrine, but we also need to keep reaching out and looking for those that need Christ and, and telling people that, hey, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and we cannot turn inward and start shooting one another. Anybody hear me? I'm at the right church today. And when churches quit reaching out, they end up shooting one another. They end up looking at one another and saying, oh, what are you doing? That person isn't, you know, living this way. Or, or man, you, what kind of Bible you have? You don't have a King James and, and, and you do what? And you, you don't wear a suit and tie or whatever it is. We got all kind of little biases that we like. And some of them are traditions and some of them are good and there's nothing wrong with them. But we can't allow them to turn our focus off the mission. Everybody say mission. Off the mission of the kingdom, and that is to win the lost. That's what our church is here to do. That's what God gave us this building for, is to win the church. Everything we're going to do here and everything we're doing in this building is going to be for this reason. Whether we're giving away candy to kids, whether we're running the track, if you're a senior, we're going you know, to have a senior ministry. Or a young person. How I many young people need to run too? Hey Amen. Come on, somebody. Especially coming out of quarantine in this year. You got to need to run. We got a fitness room. We got a locker room. We got a gymnasium. Come on. Whatever we do here, the classes that we're going to offer and teach to the community, the T-cell classes, you heard about it all the time. We talk about it. Everything that we're going to do is going to be about the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. Paul's little scripture here is, isn't something to be inspired. Some people admire Christ. We're never called to admire Christ. We're called to imitate Christ. And Paul is saying, listen, imitate me, watch this, as I imitate Christ. So when you read this about Paul becoming all things to all men, we have a tendency to go, man, he's not, you know, that's just Paul, that's just... You know, I, I got enough going on in my life. No, 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 it's for you. It's for you and it's for me. Christianity isn't about doing. We talked about that last week. It's not about doing, but it's about becoming. Becoming like Christ. And I want you to write this down. As we become like Christ, we will become missional. As you become like Christ, we will become missional. Jesus said, follow me, right, last week. Follow me, and I will make you become, we focused on becoming like Christ, what? He, but then he said, become fishers of men. If I would ask you, what's the most spiritual thing you can do? When you think of spiritual people, what do you think of? Some of you might think of praying. Some of you might think of worship. Some of you might think worshiping God in, in a very, this kind of way, or this kind of style. Or fasting, isn't that spiritual? I would say to you, yeah, all of those things are spiritual. But you know what? The most spiritual thing you can do is be missional. I know that ain't very exciting. The most spiritual thing you can do and I can do is to connect with compassion. The most spiritual thing you can do is to win a soul to Christ. That's the most spiritual thing you can do. I've even found out that the more, the more spiritual I become, the more practical I become. You find Jesus doing miracles all the time, the early church doing miracles all the time. But you also see them going house to house to the synagogue, Paul in Acts 17 going to Mars Hill, where all they did was sat around hearing the new and the latest new things. 
Paul went right into that atmosphere and began, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to connect with them and say, man, let me tell you something about the God, the unknown God, the God that you worship without knowing. Him I proclaim to you today. I would love to have all the Fox News, CNN News watching this, and who knows? Who may, someone may be watching that for some. I wouldn't want to tell you that the God that America worships, a lot of them, 80-some percent of Americans claim to be Christians. If we've got that many Christians in America, I don't think we would have this many problems in America. So, so I, I think that we are, amen? You believe that? So what's the disconnect? What's the disconnect? I think the disconnect is it's more easier to, to dress like a Christian than to live like a Christian. I think it's more easier to come to church and sing about a God than to know a God and to live like God wants us to live. Don't get offended at that. I'm going to help you with that. Because if we allow Christ to confront us like he did the Pharisees and say, you study the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. But they talk about me, and you're not willing to come to me. But if you come to me, what does he mean? If you have a relationship with me, you let me be a part of your Monday morning, your Tuesday morning, your Friday nights, your Saturday nights, your, your, your seven days a week, 24-7. If you will learn to, to connect with me, I will change your life. And when that happens, you will begin to automatically have a desire to want to win souls. We will want to look at our families and go, man, is our family saved? Do they know Christ? Does my mom, does my dad, does my brother, does my sister? And you may even be arguing and not getting along. There's a lot of families going, this year, man, I'm telling you. If the devil had a model or a mission statement for 2020, I believe he does. I don't know if he's in hell with a big wipey board or a PowerPoint or what he's got, but I, I guarantee January 2020, somewhere in the pit of hell, he said, this is our model for 2020, to divide and conquer. Now, I want you, every devil in here, to, to just, we're going to just send you into four corners of the earth, and I want you to stir up everything you can. I want you to stir up racial division, political division, gender division, generational division. I want you to get people so mad at each other that the last thing anybody wants to do is sit down and have a conversation and show the love of Christ to somebody. I believe that's what he did. But I believe this morning that God has brought you here and watch it online that God says, I also got a mission statement. I also got a plan for your life that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I will build my church. Come on. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. A virus will not prevail. Racial, racial division will not prevail. Political division will not prevail against my people. Come on, you believe that today? Let the devil hear you today. If you believe that today. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to get mad at the devil. You just got to get mad. That's who we're fighting against. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Come on, people, y'all know that. Ephesians 6, some of y'all memorized it. And forget about it every Monday when you get on Facebook. I know, and I get mad too when I see these, uh, all this stuff that we see in our world today. Seeing the little messages coming through our TV and listen to the talk show hosts that most of America are listening to and they're spitting out this, this stuff that's called knowledge and it's information and it's supposed to be truth and I'm, I'm just, people are getting so confused. The, the lines of right and wrong are so blurred today. What's the problem? I think it's the church. We need to speak up. We need to say, hey, let me tell you what the Word of God says. Come on, somebody. I'm ready to preach today. And I had such a wonderful drive-in this morning with the leaves changing. Ain't it beautiful out? I love this time of year. Sometimes I take the back way to church, man, and through New Boston. And if you live downriver, like which a lot of us do, it's just a beautiful ride. And, but I, I see God in all of that. And I see all that, man, and, and I say, God, I thank you. And as soon as I start enjoying the moment... God all of a sudden puts it on my heart, people that I know and I love who are not in the kingdom of God. And man, I know that's not fun to always have that burden. But it's something that we don't get the burden. Ain't nobody else going to get the burden to want to make a difference. Ain't nobody talking about that. The church is called about that. So let's break this down. Keep that text open. I want to exegete this text in 1 Corinthians. Unpack this text. 
Just a couple of moments. Won't be long. Paul gives us some things here that I just wanted to show you, some practical ways to live by this. The first thing he says is he says, I'm free from all men. Everybody say free. He says, I'm free from all men. What does that mean? Number one, you got to overcome the fear of man. If you want to be missional, if you really want to make a difference, let me be real with you, it's going to cost you. Some folks ain't going to like it. Some of our people, our village, or even our family, they're not going to like. Some of them don't like that you're sitting in church today. They won't say it, but they're really not crazy about it. People ain't going ain't gonna to like when we start breaking down these barriers as Jesus did, as Paul did, as the early church did. And we start having conversations and just talking about it and loving on people. But Paul said, I, I have been free from all men. If you got the disease to please or living for the likes, like many do, it's going to hinder your ability to be missional. I remember when I first got saved, it was, it was such a big deal for me to wear a Christian t-shirt. And some of you think that's just silly. No, 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 I was, I was young, and you know, when you're young, and you just are different. And I remember putting on a Christian t-shirt, man, and I was kind of embarrassed, and I was afraid of what people would say. I'm just being, I'm, I'm just being real. And I remember one time we were in the store and I had on this t-shirt with Ephesians talking about being strong in the spirit and in the power of his might. And he had this dude that was body, he had like a weight thing on it. And uh, I remember I was wearing, I finally got the nerve to kind of wear that, you know. And I remember this, this, this lady and she had some teenagers with her, a little younger than me, and they were all looking at me. And of course when you're trying to step out in faith, it feels like everyone's going to look at you and laugh at you. Some of you feel that way during worship. You want to lift your hands, but you think we're going to put a spotlight on you, and Steve's going to go, hey, you there in row number seven. Can the cameras please? We want to show everybody at work. And so we, you get, how many of you ever felt like that? I remember, I know how it is. Listen, let me just tell you, let me set you free from that. Everybody's got so much going on in their life right now that we're really not focusing on that. <laughs> when I really realized how little people thought of me, it kind of set me free. I'm just trying to help some people today. You know, I mean, sometimes we get things. And anyway, this lady and these kids were looking at me, and I thought for sure they were going to laugh at me. Like, even if they did, that would probably be good for me and my pride. But she walked over, Mama walked over to me, and she goes, I just want you to know that your shirt is awesome. I was like, oh, Yeah. He was like, yeah. I said, well, I got a couple more at home. I'll wear them tomorrow. <laughs> you know what? So from since, that's 20-some years ago. Since that day to this day, I will be, I'll go out of my way if I see someone. I just did this the other day. There was a mama and a young girl, and she had a T-shirt on. And it says something about faith in Christ, man. They had the, we was in a store, and they all got masks and stuff. And I said, you know, uh, I just want you to know I like your shirt. Well, first she didn't understand me because I had the mask on. <laughs> She's like, whoa. I said, I like your shirt. And, and, but I saw her whole countenance change. What am I saying, man? If we would just learn, learn to do that, amen. See, the lights even like what I'm saying. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be a powerful spirit, what people would consider spiritual, and still struggle with the fear of man. Let me show you this. In the, in the book of Galatians, the, God left this story in the book of Galatians about Paul and Peter. Peter, we all know, was filled with the Holy Spirit, was a mighty man of God, but watch what happens. In Galatians 2, Paul says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, everybody say Antioch. Antioch is the church in Acts 13 that Melinda and I has used as a model for River of Life. It was a powerful, spiritual, diverse, uh, missional church of the day. So different from when it started with just all Jews in Acts 1.13. Acts 13.1, read how powerful that church was. Antioch was a, is a center of revival in these days. And so when Paul came there, Peter was already there. He said, I confronted him to his face. Wow. Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, that was the traditional church. He would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, Peter withdrew and separated himself, what? Fearing those of the circumcision, the practicing Orthodox Jews. And the rest of the Jews also played a hypocrite 
with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy. So you, you get Peter sitting down with Gentiles, that's people of another ethnicity and different races, and God was bringing everybody into the church, and many were celebrating it, but some of the old traditional people liked it the way it used to be. And so they had a little problem, but Peter wasn't that way. Peter was, you know, he went to Cornelius' house in Acts 10, and he had the vision of the sheet, but, and God showed him that what I called clean, don't you call unclean, right? In fact, God had to, but we see here that Peter obviously had some sort of issues where he struggled with that. Number one, God had to show him that vision three times. And I hear Peter sitting down, man, he's eating some pork chops. He's like, man, I'm loving this new life, man. I'm, I'm eating this food. I got all this. Man, you guys are awesome. I love seeing you in here being a part of the church. And I love what God is doing, how he's calling all people to be one family. And all of a sudden, he looks up, and he sees some of the practicing Jews from James's church, which was more traditional, and they haven't really come into this yet. They were, they were kind of trying to. Peter sees them cats coming in the church, and he grabs his food, and he walks over here. And he sits down, man, I'm glad I don't eat pork. I want you to see this. This is Peter. Why did God leave this in the Bible? Which, which people say that, you know, Peter and these men wrote the Bible. If I wrote this, I would not leave this part of my life in the Bible. I would kind of erase that from my resume. But no, God, man didn't write it. God said, I'm going to leave this because I know in 2020 people are still going to be wrestling with this. And you notice what Paul did. I love what Paul did. Paul could have been like, oh, okay. Hmm. We'll let that one slide. But Paul didn't. Paul, what does it say? Confronted him through Facebook. That's what we do, right? And I hope so-and-so just sees this post. <laughs> then my phone just go off. Let me see if they liked it. You're living for the likes, baby. You, live, you got the disease to please, baby. Let me tell you something, because you will then, your attitude will then be dictated by what people say and think about you. And you're living in the wrong life. No, Paul said, I'm going to confront you to the face, brother. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen that? I mean, two heavyweights. And people say, well, man, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have no problem with other races, or I don't have no problem. I never say anything like that. Listen, Peter never said anything racist. He never said anything against the Gentiles. He didn't say anything. It was by his actions. Somebody say amen or oh me. And I love what Paul said. Paul said, I can't just let this go, Peter. Listen, what you doing, fool? I know you like pork chops. I done seen it on your Instagram just last week. And now when you get around these people, you're going to act like that you ain't got no love for these people. Come on. Don't you know Christ? You ain't living like Christ, bro. You ain't living like the way Christ told us to live. You're not using the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not, you, you talk about being power, and you talk about being a Holy Ghost still, but you won't even sit down and have a pork chop with somebody. Come on. I'm trying to help. Someone say, I am the church. I love that about Paul, man. And listen, we need to do the same thing as the church. You don't have to get all nasty and get somebody in a headlock. I know you want to. But you need to say, hey, you, listen, here's the, here's the point for the church. We're called to make a difference. How do you make a difference? You speak up about this. And you start, we start within our own families. We start within our own church. We start preaching that, hey, man, Jesus died for anybody and everybody. And we need to preach that message and keep preaching it. Not everybody knows it because this kind of thing you know, we talk about race, for instance. I've learned this, and I've learned this from a, uh, another pastor who's a person of color who kind of sat me down and we talked about some things. And he says, you know, when it comes to racism, it's not good enough to, not, to just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. And I said, I never looked at it like that. He goes, yeah, yeah, because this thing is in the, is in the DNA of fallen man. And it's rooted in the fear of man. People are afraid. And if you look back at our history, it's afraid of another person taking your spot or taking our place. And, 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 and it's this fear of afraid of this person and afraid of that person and we're afraid of this. you got to be free from the fear of man and say, man, I don't care if people's going to make fun of me or not. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to have a conversation with them. I'm, I'm going to talk to this person about Jesus. And if they don't listen, Paul said, I may not win them all. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Listen, that's fine. You ain't going to win everybody. Because not everybody wants to serve God. Not everybody wants to sit down and do what you want to do and what we're called to do. That's okay too. 
We're going to talk about them in a minute. Y'all still here? How many want some pork chops? I know y'all do. I keep saying it. Don't talk about food during preaching, Pastor. I know, you're, you, know you got me going and everything, but some of y'all done looking it up on Pinterest right now. Some, amen. He said, I'm free. You got to be free. And we all struggle with being free. Walking into work on Mondays, I used to always have the stories, the bizarre stories over the weekend when they would say, Eddie, what happened at your house? Well, let me just tell you. And I had some stories. And then when I started going to church, they, they were like, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? I'll be honest with you, I purposely avoided them. I would go eat in the break room by myself at different times. Loving God, but I was struggling because I knew, I was afraid if I said, man, I, you know, I went to church. I was, thought, that's the devil. That's the enemy just lying to you. Because when I finally begin to come out and say, hey, you know, and begin to shine, I almost titled this message, Shut Up and Shine. <laughs> but... <laughs> Because if we would just do that, come on, somebody tell Port Dusty, he ain't wrong, amen. If we would just, we just, we just be quiet with the voices and the lies we tell ourselves, and let the Holy Spirit use us, you'd be amazed. When I begin to say, hey man, I went to church Sunday, and it was off the hook, man, we had an awesome service, you know, people would begin to tune in, where you go to church at? Oh yeah, my aunt just started going to church, and she's been talking to me every week, and, all of, and I realized that I'm watering a seed that his aunt already planted in her, and I found out, whoa, God, you're working even when I don't see you're working. But you got to overcome. Someone say overcome. Then he says this, I've made myself. Everybody say make myself. Number two, you got to be intentional. I've made myself. Paul said this don't come naturally for me. Let me tell you something about Paul when you read him in the Bible. He was raised all of his life not only to not associate with people that were not Jew, but also to look at people that was not Jewish as the enemy. He was actually, are you ready, a terrorist. He would execute Christians. He would get them into jail. He would go way out of his way. They were, we were infidels if you were not a practicing Jew. He even didn't like Jews that weren't practicing Jew. That's what this man was like. All of his life he was like that. And then what happened? For him to convert such a radical shift in his ideology, thank you, shift in his beliefs to write the New Testament, to be used of God and to write this kind of stuff. It's bizarre. How do you explain that? He had an encounter with Christ and he came into the, here it goes, kingdom of God. So much so that he confronts Peter when he sees Peter doing things he shouldn't do. And you need, we need to have them kind of, you got to be intentional. He said it doesn't happen naturally. we got to choose our calling over our comfort. This one man, I want to give a shout-out to him. His name is Emmanuel Aiko. He has one of the best shows I've ever seen. I want to give a shout-out to him. It's called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And I love this guy. He's an ex-NFL player. You may know him as he used to play for uh, different NFL teams. And you guys know, you know I love football and, amen, greatest sport on earth. But anyway, um, this guy got saved. And he says he calls it that he had an Esther moment. And that is simply that God has called him for such a time as this to be, to ra to be raised up. And to make an impact, it says this about him. He's a Fox News contributor. He's ESPN. He's always on these channels. And, and he says he's described as a former NFL linebacker who has emerged as one of the most prominent voices in the quest to break down barriers and pr promote harmony, all while remaining Christ-centered. And if you watch these uh, shows, he's had Chuck and Joanne on there. He's had pastors on there. He's had police officers on there. He's had Roger Goodell on there. And when they discuss kneeling for the national anthem, I mean, he's had these topics that everybody gets all woo about. And he, he actually sits down with them and they begin to talk. And you go, man, what's that have to do with Christ? So let me show you this. There's a scene from one of my favorite movies. It's a short film called The Chosen. This is a scene of Jesus sitting down with Nicodemus. Let me tell you, this is what we're called to do. I'm going to get this made up and put into my office. I'm just telling you. You talk about, I, that's my Christ. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. Remember, Pharisees said, what you doing sitting down with them sinners? And I noticed you didn't even wash your hands. They actually said that. You know, some people are just so busy trying to look for fault in what you say, in what you post, in what you do. 
Some of us are so busy at looking at other, other people's lives, we fail to look what's going on in our own lives. And God is saying, hey, man, I gave you a mirror. I gave you, the, the Bible is called the, the mirror in the book of James. It says it comes up as you read what I'm preaching to you today. I know, man, it's uncomfortable and to hear about some of these things. But it shows us who we really are. And it shows us what we need to change for Christ. And those that want to say, hey, man, I want to be like you, Jesus. And this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I love what Emmanuel says. He says, we learn the best in uncomfortable and awkward moments. Realize that. When's the last time you learned something? It's probably when it was awkward. Don't you hate awkward moments? I've learned to actually like them. I know I'm weird. But it's the uncomfortable moments is where we learn the best. You'll never forget those conversations. And Jesus, was, and Jesus was adaptable. It wasn't that Paul was being political when he said, I become all things to all men. He's not political. He's not a politician. He's an ambassador. And so Jesus would be flexible. If he was talking to a very educated man like Nicodemus, he would talk to him about being born again. If he was with the woman at the well that had five failed marriages and was living with number six, he talked to her about having living water. Come on, Jesus. And, and I'm saying that if we would just learn to be intentional, have these conversations. When our girls were being, we were raising our girls, we got, they got into the teenage years, man. You know, my past with drugs and alcohol. When they got to a certain age, we would sit down and watch intervention. We would watch some of these shows. And we would be like, hey, man, this is what drugs do. I know on the, on the Miller commercials, this is what it looks like. Some hot girl, I guarantee she's going to be good looking. I guarantee if they're advertising anything that ain't good for you, it's going to be a good-looking man, a good-looking woman, and it's going to look like they're having all this fun. But I want to take you to the floors of the hospital that I've been in. And my uncle died from cirrhosis of the liver when he looks like he's nine months pregnant because of what alcohol done in his life, and he's 37 years old. Let me tell you how I almost lost everything because of my addiction. Let me tell you what that stuff really will do to you. I know we got all, I mean, that's the culture we're up against, but we don't have these conversations. I guarantee you, if you sit down with your kids and watch some of these awkward, uncomfortable conversations, man, they're going to be amazing. Ask your kids. It's a good test. Say, hey, man, what do, you, what do you think about white people? What do you think about people of color? What do you think about people who don't um, speak English as good as you? Come on, man, this is... You'll be surprised at how well we're doing with our family. I'm, come, I'm just telling us this today to say, hey, man, we, need to, do, we knew, need to do a better job with this. Ministering the gospel. We've got to be intentional. To come into our calling, we must come out of our comfort. Some of them are easy. Some of them are conversations that you're going to walk into as you're being in the church. And you talk to people, God's already preparing them. As I talked a few weeks ago, they're in a season of being prepared. And some of them people that you encounter and talk to, God's already been working on them. Others are not. But you sit and you talk to them. I'll go ahead and give you this. I was going to skip it, but Amber, we'll go ahead and go. Acts 11 talks about when the church began to spread. Watch this. Now those who were scattered after persecution traveled to Phoenicia, and it says they preached the gospel to no one but the Jews only. This was amazing to me when I read this in Acts 11 right before the Antioch church. The Bible says the church went everywhere preaching, but some only went to the Jews. Some only wanted to remain around people that looked like them, talked like them, act like them. That's what it said. They, they were preaching the gospel, but they, they didn't like being uncomfortable. No one loves it. I'm telling you, no one likes it. But the very next verse, it says, but some of them from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they came to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists. What kind of person is a Hellenist? It actually sounds a lot like what it, what it is. Hellenists were Jews who were raised in the Greek culture, who did not wear the hair like the Orthodox Jews. They didn't wear the clothes that weren't to be blended with cotton. They come with piercings. They come with tattoos. They come with a whole different culture. They were totally just anti-everything that they believed in. So many of the Jews were like, man, I don't want to hang out with them people. And Jesus rebuked a lot of the Jews for that. There's a scripture where Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, you know what, I've got a problem with you. You not only don't enter the kingdom yourself, but you hinder those that are trying to come in. 
I'm reminded of a friend I had a long time ago. Went to, we, I finally got him to come to church. And I told you this story before. And my mom and dad were pastoring an e-course. And I finally got these two brothers to come to church. And, and the mama was like, well, i got to get some dress clothes for them. And I said, no, they don't need dress clothes. I, it, it was forever. She went through it. She finally had her sons come out of the back room. No lie. This was in the 80s. And they come out wearing these bell bottoms. They come out wearing these big collar shirts. And uh, that's all they had. And even in the 80s, that wasn't acceptable. And I was like, they don't have to wear them kind of clothes at church. And church ain't like that. But mama insisted. I mean, it was a big deal. And I'll never forget, we went into church. And, and this lady that had been coming to our church for just a, sh- you know, a short little time, I had two of them with me, right? I go to the seat, and I had Tommy with me. And I was like, hey, man, where's your brother? She goes, oh, man, that lady in the back won't let him in. I said, what? She goes, yeah, he's got an earring in his ear. And she said, he ain't welcome here. And my mom and dad didn't even know what was happening. Pastors are the last to know what's happening in their church <laughs> sometimes. And, uh, or you hear about it on Facebook. You're like, what? When did that happen? I look back, and this lady wouldn't let my friend in the church because he had an earring. And this is, and I couldn't, and he took off, then his brother took off. You know what was so bad? This lady did not even stick around church long. She just came. Some people will just come in your life long enough to get you confused, long enough to mess you up, long enough to get you offended at God and so, so out of the way, and then they leave out of their life. It's like a messenger of Satan. My dad found out. I'll tell you what. I was outside. I ain't going to tell you. I had this dart, and I threw this dart, and it accidentally hit her tire. I mean, it really... I was a pastor's kid, y'all, so pray for me. Amen. And so... I did not mean to do that, okay? I did not mean to do that live right now, live streaming. We'll probably edit that out, Felicia. But um, religion, we do the same thing, man. When I got saved, I had someone yell at me because I had an NIV, and it wasn't a, new, it wasn't a King James Version 1611 red letter edition. And I'm like, man, don't you see I just came out of drugs and alcohol? Don't you see it's Sunday and I'm in church? And sometimes we just look at people because they don't have the same kind of tradition that we have, and we end up doing this. But it says, but some spoke to the Hellenists. Look what God did. And the hand of the Lord was with them. In fact, this is the first time that they were called Christians was at Antioch. In other words, people looked at them and said, man, these people are doing exactly what that Jesus guy did, that we're going to start calling them Christians, little Christs from this day forward. This is what I'm saying, church. The goal isn't to become diverse. The goal is to become like Christ. Once we become like Christ, I've learned that God will use us in all kinds of different ways. Last thing I need to say, then we're closing. You need to connect with compassion. Paul said, I become, everybody say become, all things to all men to save some. One theologian says this, he says, he broke it down and said this, that Paul actually conformed himself to the feelings of each in the several classes that he listed to win at least some of them. Paul, he, he, he didn't have the same beliefs, obviously. He didn't have the same, listen, there is something that we can connect and have compassion on in every group. Society and this, and this cancel culture, which another Emmanuel, he speaks out so much against cancel culture because cancel culture is an ideology in America that says if you say one thing or do one act, we no longer support you and we X you out of our life. And I love what Emmanuel says. He says it best. He said that is not the character of Christ or the New Testament. How many of us, if God did that to us, if we said one thing wrong? Now, we need to, we need to own up and be held accountable for our actions but we don't give up on people because of mistakes that they have made. Anyone. Come on, y'all were singing about the grace of God just a few minutes ago. Amen? But not everybody, you know, is going to... But we, we can find something that we can have compassion on. You don't have to be one or the other when it comes to the kingdom of God. We can be all. Listen, we can back the blue and still speak out against racial injustice. Let me say that again from the pulpit. You can support our police and also speak out against racial injustice when you see it. You can do both. You can do both. Come on, somebody say, you can do both. I can show you a scripture in Joshua where Joshua was ready to go to war. 
And he saw an angel dressed in war, and he didn't recognize him. He said, who are you? Are you on my side or on their side? And he said, I'm on neither. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And the ground that you are standing on, take your shoes off. I own that, brother. In other words, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm not an American, I'm not a Honduran, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. That's where I take my residence. That's where I live my life. Come on, somebody, give him some praise. Come on, let's all stand. Amen. This is kingdom stuff. Come on, somebody say it's kingdom stuff. Come on, put that in the chat today. Say this is kingdom stuff. Let me give you this. This is, this is what I want to sum everything up. Please take a picture of it. I don't care what you do, but don't forget this. Without violating biblical morality, we need to do whatever it takes to enter the world of others and lead them to salvation. You see that? Don't compromise your beliefs. I, I can sit down with people who, who are from all kinds of different beliefs. I can sit down with the most racist person, someone that's in white supremacy all the way or in another uh, believes that blacks are better and whatever, Hispanic, whatever. And I don't compromise that, but I can sit down and say, why do you think that? Some, if I use the word of God, if I learn to master this as Paul did, I can save some of them. Because I have had conversations with people in the LGBTQ community who I don't agree with that lifestyle, but I've been able to sit down. I, I sat one time in church or in work, and I said, God, I've witnessed to everybody in my work, and I'm kind of tired. They're kind of boring. I actually said this. I said, God, I want to send someone in my life that I can talk to. Half hour later, my boss comes out of the office. He goes, hey, Eddie, I need a driver. And I was in the warehouse. Happened to be in the warehouse that day, but I was a driver. He said, we got a guy from Kentucky. I need you. He's locked his keys in his car. We can't get him out. Please ride him to the, give him a ride to the airport. And I was like, okay. He come out, I'm about 27, I'm in my late 20s, he's in his early 30s, young guy, he gets in the car, man, I said, here's my opportunity, I'm going to tell him about Jesus, right? And I begin to just talk to him, and I begin to tell him about my life, how God saved me, and brought me out of this and that, and I look over, and he's getting uncomfortable, and he's, he's moving around in his chair, and I'm like, okay, and then he, this long, awkward silence happens, and then he goes, well, I must say, I, I disagree with everything you just said. You see, I'm an atheist. I don't believe that there is a God. I'm stuck in a car for 30 minutes with this dude. You better watch what you pray for. And I either was going to take the easy way out and go, how about that Michigan? U of M's going to do it this year. I could have easily switched gears. But I'm spirit-filled. I'm a student of the Word. I'm a kingdom of God. I am the church. So the Holy Spirit said, come on, big boy. What you got? And I begin to say, well, why do you feel that way? He began to say, because I read this book, and this book said this, and he talked about this book all the way to the airport. We get out of the car, and I said, I know you've been telling me about this book all the way here. Let me tell you about a book. It's, it's the number one best-selling book in human history. It's still today, in 1999, whenever the year that was, changing people's lives. And I, I don't know you, but I want to tell you I got the love of Christ for you and that Jesus died for you whether you believe in him or not. And he's got a plan for your life. He looked at me, he goes, you know what? I thought you were going to say you hate me and all of this. I said, no, I'm not hating on you. I just wouldn't be saying there is no God before you board a plane. But anyway, <laughs> what was I doing? I was doing what Paul, we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I become all things to all men so that I may save some. And if they don't agree with me, if he would be like, man, I don't care, man. You wanted them Christians. You wanted this. I ain't down with that. I, li I believe in living my life. I believe I'm this. And I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Peace out, Boy Scout. I love you. Praying for you. But I'm going to go on to the next one. Amen. This is the mission of the kingdom. This is the mission of River of Life. This is what we're here to do. Father, I love you and I thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, thank you for stirring our remembrance of what we're really supposed to be doing. God, we're going we're gonna to make our voices heard and we're going to, you called us to vote and to make a difference and to do the, use the political system for your good. But Lord, far over November, 
We still got loved ones that need Christ. Father, you have called us to live this as a lifestyle. So, Father, we do that right now. And listen, if you're in this room or you're watching right now and you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, well, you got to get born into the kingdom. How do you do that? How do you get born again? Repent and believe. You say, God, forgive me of my sins, all of my sins. Forgive me for them. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the only way to heaven. And from this day forward, I will make you my Lord. That's what you say. Pray that wherever you are, in this room or watching from wherever, and Jesus Christ will come right into your life. Everyone else, will you just lift your hands and let's just close out with this one prayer. We're going to sing as, as we dismiss, but I want you to, I just want to pray over you right now that God would just light a fire and a burden for the lost. Some of you used to have it. Some of you used to be a soul winner. You used to have, used to use that house that you use and, and your, your platform to be a voice. And 2020 has just got your mind off of it. I want to get you back onto the mission, the mission of the kingdom, and that is to win the loss at all costs. So, Father, right now with every uplifted hand, I pray, God, that you would just download, download a passion for our people, our brothers and sisters, God, people in our community, people are, are, that we work with, people in our family, God, for you. Give us a burden. Give us a passion, Lord. Come on, ask them, ask them to do that right now in Jesus' name. Ask them to do that right now. Come on. Come on, ask them, ask them. Give me that passion, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, help us to go out this week and to make a difference. Help us, Lord, to, to make up with some relationships maybe we have broken off because of what's been going on in this world, in this, this year. Help us to reconcile with one another because your, the souls are more important. And I pray that, Lord, over your people right now in Jesus' name. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen